Well, welcome to this episode of The Aftermath, a show in which Daniel and I sit down and talk about the Sunday service and all the ideas and topics and questions that come out of it. So, Daniel, what you thinking this week? Uh, it's a good week, man. Uh, very much so, like, I know, like, as far as the fivefold ministry gifts, you identify probably most with teacher. Uh, but, like, I think there there is some, like, prophetic in there. And I think, like, we've been on this, like, uh, almost like a story with the sermons that you've done leading up until till now. And, like, it was very good. To, the way that you hit Hebrews kind of took us back to, like, Jesus at the center and kind of refocused just us on on the person of Jesus. And um, I thought that was, you know, very good, very fitting for a time like right now. So I'm just curious what exact, what do you mean by that? I meant something by that when I said we need to bring Jesus back to the center. Uh, yeah. What what do you, what did you hear and how are you using that today? Oh, okay. Yeah, it's just like given COVID and the whole last year, everything that's happened up until this point, like it's probably good to get Jesus back in the, back in the center of the, of the mix, you know, uh, and kind of hear that, like, especially at the beginning of a year, like, okay, let's get our priorities straight. And, uh, for, for me, like sometimes Jesus is, is not in the center. Your life gets completely out of balance. And it's like every now and then like super good, I guess we kind of joke about there being like seven sermon topics <laughs> and this being one of them, but it's refreshing to get that. Cause I, I don't know how many people are getting that. Like, Hey, Jesus is the sinner. I thought like, so like in, in Hebrews, I like the passion translation. Like it says, the sun is the dazzling radiance of God's splendor, the exact expression of God's true uh, nature, his mirror image. He holds the universe together and expands it by his mighty power and his spoken word. He accomplished for us the complete cleansing of sins and took his seat on the highest throne at the right hand of the majestic one. You kind of, I think you quoted a little bit of that. Um, yeah, that was that was the verse that we were using. Yeah, yeah. and uh, like as soon as I opened my Bible and, and and read that, I was like, oh man, those are the type of things that make me just fall in love with Jesus again. And I think it's when we work from Jesus, mm -hmm. there's a renewing, kind of a refreshing of your spirit when you kind of get back to that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, it's interesting to hear you talk about like how you heard it. <laughs> was well, it different than how you meant it? <laughs> well, I, I, not, not entirely. I mean, it, it's definitely, I mean, the, the point was definitely that Jesus at the center, like the way I think about that and particularly in reading that passage, which I think is like one three, when it talks about, you know, yeah. it says, you know, Jesus is the exact radiance, is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. F for me, I'm, I'm reading that and understanding that as, as we approach the text, the, the biblical text as a whole, you know, one of the, one of the big questions we're asking is who is this God and what is he like? Yeah, and we're given story after story in the Old Testament about a God interacting with His people, and we can deduce things from that. And of course, Judaism did, as as does Christianity, look at those texts and use it to fill out their picture of who God is. But the Hebrews writer, you know, tells us explicitly, like in the times before, God was speaking to us through angels and through prophets. And so there was there was a mediated picture, a mediated expression of God. But now, in referencing Jesus, now He has come to us in Him as Himself. Yeah. Um, and so f for me, like the, the crux and sort of the thing that I, and, and again, this goes to the way that I've, I think, right? I'm thinking theologically and that's just kind of how I approach the text and God, just who I am. For me, it is, it's when we ask that question, what is God like? The answer is always Jesus, right? And so we use the $2 word, the hermeneutic, that Jesus is, you have to have a Jesus hermeneutic, which is a fancy way of just saying Jesus is the lens through which you see everything. 
Right. For example, I think, you know, when we, when we use a word like holy, I think for a lot of people, and in my mind, even you talk about God being holy, you, a lot of us immediately have this picture of an Old Testament God, right? He's like this sovereign above everything, completely yeah. righteous and right yeah. and would never, you know, get himself dirty. But what Hebrews tells us is if you want to know what God, what it means for God to be holy, what is holy, well, it's, it's actually Jesus, right? And so I think a lot of what we do in the church is we, we build these pictures off of an Old Testament presentation, which was a mediated presentation through prophets and angels. And what we need to do first and before that is actually go to Jesus and say, okay, well, this is what is holy, right? You want to know what holy is? Well, it looks like serving and loving and, go, and getting in the dirt, you know, and it's the man, the incarnate word that is the most true, the true revelation of who God is. And Hebrews goes through like a, like kind of a painstaking measure to like make that point, you know, yeah, he's better yeah. than the angels. He's better than Moses. He's better than the old covenant. Like he right. goes through, right. you, you go through all those things to exactly. get to that yeah. very yeah. point. And, and I mean, Hebrews point is obviously, obviously that point, but also the, the work of what Jesus did. So this new covenant is really right. kind of the, the heart of the Hebrews text that it is superior and uh, transcends the old one. And he, you know, he does make the point that it doesn't mean the old one was bad. It's just that it was incomplete as, or it's the way he talks about it. Right. Uh, it could never accomplish the thing that Jesus ultimately does. But yeah, this idea that, well, you want to know what God is like, it's Jesus. You know, it's like, is God mad at you? Well, look at Jesus. Would Jesus be mad at you? Is Jesus mad at you? Well, if Jesus is not mad at you, then God's not mad at you, right? Right. Um, is God an angry God? Well, was Jesus an angry Jesus? No, yeah, not, no. not really, unless no. you're... I mean, unless you're doing unsavory things in the, in the temple. Right. Yes. I mean, there, there are certainly points at which he, he got heated and, and had, we've talked about this before, like some holy rage that is warranted, yeah. of course. But he's not an angry person. Like that's not yeah. his demeanor. No, no. That's, that's not his nature. Right. And it, it raises all sorts of questions about, okay, well, how do we, I mean, we don't need to get into this today, but like, how do you read the Old Testament in light of that? Was it you I listened to that talked about, you know, Paul took three. Yeah, yeah it was you. Yeah, we, we I'm like, what Sunday. podcast was it? Oh, it's ours. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, Paul takes three years to go back and reevaluate his understanding of the Old Testament yeah. now that he's had this encounter with Jesus. Right. And so he reads Jesus into that Old Testament. Yeah. Paul doesn't tell us exactly what he's doing for that period, but he does tell us in Galatians that he has this, you know, his Damascus Road experience where God, you know, convicts him and appears to him. And then he, he heads off to Arabia and based on the timeline in, in Acts and other places in Paul, we, we can piece together that it was about three years that he was off doing something. And what we do know is when he shows back up, he's gone from Pharisee, you know, like one of the most well-educated Pharisees knows more than anyone else about Judaism and the law and you know, all that to this guy, Paul, you know, he's gone from Saul to Paul and Paul now has a completely new and reinterpreted understanding of everything about Judaism and its uh, sort of pillars, whether that's the, you know, the temple, the sacrifice, the priests, you know, the whole, whole nine is now re-understood and reimagined in light of who Jesus is. Yeah, yeah. So if that's the model, we're invited, instructed to rethink the Old Testament in light of who Jesus, we have to. Jesus yeah. himself did that. We see all of the New Testament writers re-understanding and grabbing scriptures and saying, well, this said this and this meant that and because of who Jesus is, which were new interpretations that did not exist prior to that. Yeah, so. I couldn't imagine the mind-blowing experience of like someone who, like like Paul, who knew the text, who studied it, who obviously had you know large swaths of it me- memorized, right? Yeah, probably uh, the whole thing. Yeah, actually. yeah. Studied under Gamaliel, someone like that. You know, he comes to this revelation of who Jesus is, 
Can you imagine just the bombs going off in his head, knowing the scripture that well? And then, oh, this is Jesus. All this, like yeah. all the prophecy and all the stuff. Right. Like we work backwards. Like we get the key first. Yeah. And then we, yeah. we go back. Uh, but like Paul had like the, had the text and then was given the key. So right. uh, yeah. probably an interesting experience for him. Well, I think what I was trying to draw out on Sunday and what I would kind of reiterate here is that I think some of the problem is that we don't often do that. Oh yeah. Right. And I think that's what I was trying to encourage. And I would sort of encourage all of us that are listening to this to, to realize is that that's the way you should be doing it. You should be, you know, you got the decoder ring, right? Yeah. <laughs> you hate the cereal box, you sent away from the decoder ring and now it's, you know, you, you've got Jesus, right? And so you need to go there first and then look back onto the Old Testament stories. But a lot of us don't do that, right? Yeah. We kind of set Jesus and his nature and the things that God says about himself through Jesus definitively aside. And then we go build this picture of God. And that, that's when we end up with an Old Testament God that looks nothing like a New Testament Jesus. Oh man. And we've got this, you know, it's, it's why Marcion, like Marcionism is a heresy. And what Marcion did was he basically looked at it and said, hey, I, I'm basically tossing out the Old Testament and he, kept, he keeps Luke and Paul's letters. He says everything else represents a different God because Marcion failed to recognize how the Old Testament God needs to be re-understood re in light of who Jesus is. Like he, that, that's not easy work, right? right. And the truth is it, it, it does butt up against each other. We do oftentimes think that the God of the Old Testament acts differently than the God of the New Testament. And it, it's probably not untrue that on a first reading, yeah, it looks like that. And I think so. And I think like um, it gets understood and preached like that yeah. a lot too. And then like right. it leaves Christians as a whole kind of like confused. Well, and scrambling to make excuses for an Old Testament God. That's, that's the truth. You know? yeah. And so it, it raises all sorts of difficult questions when you start to tackle it. And that's what's kind of what I was driving home on Sunday or trying to kind of hint at, maybe, maybe I didn't drive it home, <laughs> just I wanted to. Maybe but, I'm not the best student. <laughs> well, no, no, but uh, you know, kind of laid the groundwork for is that you know, Je Jesus is God, right? Jesus, despite all the things that were said by God through people in the Old Testament, it is Jesus who is God himself. Yeah. Like it is God speaking himself. So that is primary fundamental and it trumps everything else, right? So if you have an instance where you're reading an Old Testament scripture and you think it says one thing, but that contradicts the nature of Jesus in the New Testament, well, you're wrong about the Old Testament somehow, right? Yeah. It's one of many possibilities and some of them lead us into some uncomfortable positions or stances, which may be, well, maybe what is presented in the Old Testament is people trying to hear from God and they heard wrong. Like that's one interpretation. I'm just gonna throw that out there. <laughs> you can think of what you want about that. Like that's uncomfortable. Yeah. I don't, I don't like that. Like that, that, that opens up all sorts of questions about the text. But if, we, if we're gonna take Jesus seriously, which we're Christians, by the way, like <laughs> we're claiming that this is the be all end all of God. Well, everything needs to run up against him, including our own texts. Yeah. And there's some difficult questions we gotta work through. Yeah, you, so. the, the challenge you issued to to read through the gospels and yeah. get to know Jesus better, like I'm gonna take that, you know, very seriously. Cause like, if he's the key and like, I, I know him and he's the express image of God, like it's something I've known, but like, yeah. oh yeah, I need to go back and kind of reinvigorate myself with the person of Jesus and yeah. who he is and then and then kind of move on. But I, I think so, I have like kind of two studies. That, that would be the first one that like, I'm really, I really want to get into and that. So the first one would be the person of Jesus. And 
you know, the second would be what he says about the kingdom, which is yeah, a kingdom you know, study. Those are always yeah, yeah, one of our other seven <laughs> sermons that we preach. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. For those of you hearing that, he's mentioned that twice. Uh, we joke about there. There are only like five or six or seven points that get made on Sunday. Yeah, that's kind of the point of the text, right? Like, right. like there, this is not complicated. At the end of the day, I mean, the text can get complicated. Understanding it can get complicated when you're trying to bring in all the context and the language and other biblical contexts. Like it. It can get hairy, but at the end of the day, it boils down to just a handful of things. Yeah. So, but Jesus, kingdom, love. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it, it, like when when we sat down, we, we had a meeting like uh, a couple months ago, like we sat down and you're like, you know, these are like the seven, like I was like, oh, this is, this is much easier to understand. Like if someone would have let out like these, you know, five, six, seven principles, like, Okay, like I have a decent roadmap from there. Like, right. Yeah. So, All of a sudden, you can see it in every, everywhere. Right. Yeah, right. yeah. Yeah. One of the other things, like I thought, was really neat. Like, because you're kind of calling us back to the foundations, but like I look at every like New Testament kind of letter. Um, that Paul writes and that the other writers of Peter, they all say like, don't stray from the foundation. Like they all kind of have that call back to like, hey, don't forget the things I taught you first. Um, and I assume that's, that's, they're talking about Jesus there. Yeah, and yeah. it must be important if in like, it's almost like every letter you hear, don't, don't leave the foundation. Don't let it, don't let someone else build upon what I've said. If it doesn't, if the foundation's different, you know? Right. So thought that was like pretty neat little. Yeah. And we talked about, it's been months ago now, but we did a, a Sunday on, you know, what, what was the gospel? Yeah. Right. And we looked at particularly what Paul was saying it was, and it was, it was, Christ crucified, dead, resurrected, enthroned. He even ter- uses the term Christ there, not just Jesus. Like, and Christ is Messiah, which is King, right? And that, that the core is Jesus as King, right? That's yeah, has lots of implications and ramifications, but it's it's really that simple. Yeah, um, you call yourself a Christian, right? You call yourself. I mean, the, the literal interpretation of that is little Christ. Right, you're called to be a manifestation of Jesus. You better know who He is. Right? Yeah. Like, how are you going to do that if you don't really know who he is? Yeah. And the easiest, best, and quickest access you have to him is the gospels, right? And and certainly the other writers write about him, but it's explicit in the gospels, right? <laughs> yeah. This is these are the stories yeah. of Jesus and what he said and did. And it's been my experience, and I've seen it replicated in others. Like if if you literally just read them over and over and over, just spend your time reading them, like you eyes get opened. And and I would say don't don't read them in like a highly intellectual way, but rather just read them as story and allow, you know allow the the narrative to work on you. Like what is Jesus's essence? Who is his being? What is his attitude? What is his posture in different situations, right? Uh, and that doesn't necessarily require parsing Greek to do that. Like you can just just read them again and again. And every time you do, your eyes gets opened to a different perspective or viewpoint on who he is. Yeah. Once you understand who he is, well then you understand, well I've got to take I've got to take that posture, right? I need to see the world that way. Yeah. Right? And that that's ultimately I think the key. Like a lot of times for me, like it takes reading something over and over and over again. Like uh like this week you brought up uh Melchizedek. Yeah. And uh so I've always been fascinated by like that portion of scripture and like never understood why they used him or like who this Basically, I was just thought like that was a Christophany, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, but the way that uh, you explained though used it as like kind of a literary device to 
liking him to someone that wasn't like other people. But like, right. I feel like I've read that over and over again. So I finally got like a key this week. Like, oh, okay, this makes much more sense. How does it make sense? Say, say what? Uh, as a, for as those a, who are listening that don't know, know what I said oh, on I'm Sunday, sorry. what we said on Sunday. Yeah. So, so like as a literary kind of kind of callback, um, Jesus is like this guy who's a king and a priest. Um, Jesus Jesus lineages lineage was from kings right. uh, from the tribe the, of Judah. Priests were from they would be descendants of Aaron, correct? Yeah, the Levite tribe. Yeah, so so they would be Le- so Jesus wasn't a Levite, but he is a king and a priest like Melchizedek. Yeah. So and Melchizedek's also other than, right? Uh, which Jesus would also fit into that, and it also talks about like uh, Melchizedek's kingdom being a a kingdom of peace. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so like that for me was like, okay, like that's a picture right. of, of Christ. The writer of Hebrews was able to go back and grab and say like this. Right. He wasn't like any of these people in this, because we get, he's kind of like a one-off in the Old Testament. Yeah, he is. And I, I think one of the, the important pieces of, of what the letter to the Hebrews is doing, those people, the readers, initial readers would have expected priests to come from the tribe of Levi. Right. And so, for Jesus, as you mentioned, coming from the tribe of Judah to claim or to be claimed to be a priest would make no sense. And so here, it, and what, what he does in all of his lines of thought through the letter of Hebrews is he goes back to the Old Testament scriptures to explain from within the Old Testament scriptures how this could be. And so he's going and grabbing Melchizedek who was a predecessor to the tribe of Levi. Like this, obviously we're, we're talking about Abraham. So we're before Egypt, enforced slavery before the Ten Commandments, before the law, right? Yeah. So the tribes don't exist yet. The 12 sons have not even been born that create the tribes, right? Right. And so the point was God has appointed in history, appointed priests. Melchizedek was a priest by God's appointment, not by virtue of his lineage. And so he uses that to say, Jesus is the same deal. Like he's a priest, not because he was born out of the tribe of Levi, but because God said he is. It's yeah. kind of the, the weight of the Hebrews argument. Yeah, I thought that was super interesting. Yeah. Like I knew that he like obviously existed in the passage and you know, the, you get a little snippet in the Old Testament of Abraham uh, going to Melchizedek, but like uh, the way that you put it together Sunday was beautiful. So yeah. if people go back and listen, like that was a very small point in your, <laughs> in your sermon, but like, you know. Yeah, well, the first half of the sermon was just sort of giving the general arc of Hebrews and how it works as a book text. And that was part of, part of that. But, yeah. Yeah, I always enjoy that because like you don't get that everywhere. Like it actually, so the more that like I've heard you speak, like you always give a great um, intro to things. So like I've actually started to read like a lot of, like a lot of translations have like a sort of intro before you get into the book. Mm-hmm. I've started reading that. Yeah, this is really like, important. Y'all. Oh yeah, it turns out this is important. Like, yeah, because you, you always do such a great job at it. And then like, so I'm like, oh, where is he getting this information at? <laughs> and then like, I realized like, oh yeah, like, it's readily available. <laughs> right, it's right there for you. Yeah. yeah, and it helps you understand the text so much better. Yeah, like particularly uh, in you know if you have a study Bible. Yeah, those are usually where they show up. Yeah, um, but uh, you know if you you know got a shelf full, full of commentaries, if you have access to those, there's always fifty to hundred pages of just introduction issues in the front of those that help really give you the broad strokes of a t- of a book. With that, it sets you up for what's going on there, so you're not reading your immediate surroundings into the text. You're like, okay, yeah. well, this is what's going on. Now here's the text. Yeah. Um, 
I think that's important. Yeah. That's a conversation that goes beyond what we're going to talk about today, but like, Sorry. It, no, but <laughs> I, 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 it is a really important understanding is that putting the text into its context makes sense of it. Yeah. And if you don't, if, you know, we are 2000 years removed from that. Our world is completely different. We have different social understandings, different social norms, and it happens all the time that we take something from the text and we, with our perspective, read it. And a lot of times it's 180 degrees <laughs> from what it actually meant given the context it was written into. You know, that, that what was going on in the world was so much different than what is going on now that it meant something, sometimes the opposite of the way that we would read it. And that, so that's, that's dangerous. It's important to be theologically ed- educated. And as soon as you say that, people get upset you know, well, I can go and read the Bible and the guy can tell me what it means. Well, yeah, you can certainly get the general gist of it, but there's a reason that God created a church. There's a reason that God has a fivefold ministry, fivefold gifting, and those are prophets and teachers and apostles. And we need to be in communion with those people and in communion with 2,000 years of history and being understanding how these things have been understood and interpreted. Yeah. Something um, that like really struck home with me was you, you talked about this on uh, on TikTok last week was this uh, idea that, you know, you can sit there with a the text yourself and get the complete understanding, you know, and it's just, it's not true. It takes the body of Christ to do that. And uh, educated people who are gifted in teaching are, should be part of that group that's sitting down with you and uh, pouring over text. is a family-wide, body of Christ-wide effort to understand what's going on and I don't, I don't know why we would think that we can just, like, where did that idea come from that you can just grab the text and walk out into the woods, sit down, and you're going to understand everything? I mean, it's probably an amalgamation of the printing press, everyone getting their own Bible, and then Western individualism yeah. and, and all that stuff kind of lumped into, yeah. I don't need anybody else. Yeah, it was kind of a, some ways a rhetorical question because you're absolutely right. It, yeah. I mean, we, we look at his church history and we can see exactly where it came from. And it's, yeah. you know, the concept of sola scriptura and uh, sola fide and, you know, like all the solas, well... Solo means alone, yeah, right. And when you put that into a culture of individualism, it's like, well, me alone, I can, I can do it. Yeah, God will speak to me. Ultimately, I think that's really arrogant, right? You, you think that God is going to grant you some sort of interpretation that He hasn't been speaking to the church for two thousand years? A lot of, a lot of times, those are the people that want to say, well, God is the same, same today, yesterday, and forever. Well, then pay attention to what He's been saying for two thousand years. You yeah, know, like that's that's why I love the the kind of breakdown of just like. There's not a whole lot of basic narratives, you know, that we have to go over. Jesus is king. We are part of his kingdom. Those are super easy concepts. Anyone can understand. So you don't have to be, this is super, like we're just way out there. But <laughs> like we've, we've come to this kind of uh, Pied Piper thing within Christianity where we're, we're all following men and we're not doing things as a group. We're doing things individually. And it's just like, it's super odd. And it's odds with the New Testament. Getting away from that and going back to, doing things together and reading text together and understanding text together, I think does a lot to kind of get us back on track, so to speak. What we're not saying is go do that. Just go be with people and you'll figure it out. Like that's no, go with people, put the text in the center of yeah. the room, focus your effort there, but as a community work through it. I mean, that, that's, that's the balanced approach yeah. that I would, yeah. I know you would argue for. Yeah. We, we've like, we've kind of entered some sort of culture where like I go to the church with the people that agree with these statements, well, you're not getting any nuance, any mm-hmm. um, any questions about 
if you're not questioning what you believe, like how do you know how do you know you believe it? What else? Anything else out of Sunday that sparked your interest or? No, man. I'm just still still basking in that uh, that uh, Hebrews one three man. Yeah. Like the beauty, like the way that that was written, just kind of it it sparks me up a little bit. Like anytime you look at the beauty of of Jesus, like I think you just kind of fall like back in love with him and yeah. and the person that he is. Yeah. You remember the the WWJD bracelets? Oh yeah. Yeah. That was like this whole like moment. Some of you may remember when people were wearing these like bracelets, there was what would Jesus do? Right. There was I think that was part of an out you know, offshoot of the this whole like Jesus focused movement that has happened and this whole group out there called the Red Letter Christians that uh you know focus primarily and first on the red letters, which are the words of Jesus in the text. But I think that was kind of a, a cheesy way, but but the, the purpose I think is correct. And yeah. the heart of that was correct. Like whenever you find yourself in a, a heated debate or trying to think yourself smarter or better, or, you know, it's easy to focus on a lot of the theological discussions and debates that come out of Paul or Peter or some of these other New Testament writers, but got to step back and say, you know, like what what is Jesus's heart? like? Who is Jesus? Yeah, and how, how would how would that person, that man, respond in the situation, or what would he think? What what do we know he thought? Yeah, you know, I think that's those are really important considerations to be made. Yeah, because we're given we're given those gospels that yeah. have his. There's a reason for that. His teachings in them. So yeah, gonna dive into that next week. So I'm, I'm sure you'll hit that a little bit next week as uh, you're all. Do you, do you have any idea of what's uh, on the table for next week? Yeah, or? next week we're gonna we got a few letters still before we jump into Paul, right? Right. So we're gonna um, next week we're gonna be talking about the Johns one, two, and three John, and then after that we'll be talking about the letter James, and then we'll be turning to Paul's letters, and then after that, I mean, obviously Paul's letters are gonna take a while, of course, to get through. Yeah. I think after that we're actually gonna go back to a gospel. We're gonna pick up one of the gospels and march our way through it, and do exactly yeah. what we just talked about doing. Really. Yeah. Picking I, I, it apart and understanding and who the, who this guy really was. Like for for, for like people on the outside, like you know, kind of decided to go with like kind of a New Testament sur- survey as we as we open things up here. So like if you look back at some of the the old sermons and stuff we put out, like we're making it through the New Testament. It's given me a much more rounded out kind of understanding of of everything going over all this. I really appreciate it. Hopefully, it's been helpful for the people that have been paying attention to it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's been sort of a real, real high-level overview of the purpose of each of the books and the, kind of what, what the authors are trying to do. And then once we've kind of done that, we'll go back and start digging into each of them at a much more detailed level. And that's where we're going. Cool. See you next week. Later.